When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary J. Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Ivy Harris. And it is, what is today, Wednesday? It's Wednesday. I get confused because the Browns are doing, like, their game schedule. So this is, like, a Thursday, but it's actually Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this on Wednesday. You're probably listening to this on Thursday. Uh, the Browns held a practice today and availability. But we're going to get into, uh, as we wrap up the preseason on Saturday, uh, everyone's going to make a case for something, something that Browns should do, a move they should make or a player they should keep or, or whatever it is. Uh, and we're going to talk it out. So Mary Kay, lead us off. Well, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I'm going to go with sort of the low-hanging fruit here. And, you know, I've said this a few times on the pod, but I, I will really, I think, strongly make the case right now that uh, that I, I think they should make a run at Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't necessarily think that they should wait until he gets cut. Because when that happens, then it's open season and anybody can get to him. So I think I would at least get on the phone right now and see what the 49ers would be willing to accept for him. But you would have to do this knowing that you're not going to pay him the $24.2 million salary. You're not going to do that. You would have to pick that up in in the trade, uh, but that you, you could do it with negotiating with his uh, with his people and come up with some upfront money. Maybe you do the whole thing as a signing bonus so he gets a bunch of guaranteed money up front and then give him some incentives for playing time. Uh, so I would do it like that, that you would be restructuring the contract, bringing that base way down to $1.035 million or whatever it might be, and maybe give up a fifth-round pick or something like that. Um, and uh, I would go ahead and do that. And, you know, we can get into this a little bit more as we all kick it around. But, uh, you know, I would just do it because I think it would rejuvenate your fan base a little bit. I think it would maybe pick up the team a little bit to know that in the event that Jacoby Brissett goes down, you've got another really good starting caliber quarterback. And uh, just the third point real quick, quickly that I'll make here is that he did undergo surgery to have the torn capsule in his throwing shoulder repaired. And I'm told that he's throwing the ball a lot better now. So some of the deficiencies that, you know, that we've seen in Jimmy G, those things might be better now that he has this problem taken care of. I just continue to see this as a win-win. Like, it, it's a win for the Browns, it's a win for Jimmy G, because we know that whoever starts a quarterback for this team is not the long-term starter. It's Deshaun Watson, he's going to be here for the, that contract, he's going to be here for longer than that contract, he's talked about finishing his career here. This is his job, ultimately. For Jimmy, he's got to go somewhere where he can be successful and then go get paid again. And that's not going to happen in San Francisco unless Trey Lance gets hurt. And I don't know how many other, like Pittsburgh maybe, if they just really don't like what they have at quarterback, maybe they would go after him. But there's not a lot of options out there for him. This feels like one of those situations where both sides kind of win here. The Browns bring in Jimmy G. They aren't tied to him. They don't need to be tied to him. 
he understands the situation. He can play well and go get paid and do what he does best and win. And, uh, you know, like, I, I, I can't poke holes in this. I can't sit here and say, no, Mary Kay, you're wrong. It just makes sense. Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it does make sense. My one concern with getting Jimmy G, I guess, would just be what the Browns have to give up, given, I've talked about this before, given what they had to give up to get Deshaun Watson and how much capital they want to use for a guy. But I do think, we've talked about it before, the Browns thought Jimmy G was not enough of an upgrade over Baker Mayfield, which I think is a fair criticism, especially when he had you know his own shoulder injury he's been dealing with. But I do think you can make the case that this would be an upgrade over Jacoby. And I know we've talked about the Browns really value that Jacoby is really here, but like Mary Kay's pointed out before, Jimmy Garoppolo comes from the same style of offense. It's that same West Coast style of offense, that Gary Kubiak style that I don't think it would be that hard to plug him in and have him play and be successful here. Irie, are you in agreement? I am in uh, I am agreeing. I am going to agree <laughs> on this because I feel like you guys pretty much pointed out there. I mean, he already, his style of play would fit what the team already goes for, along with, I think you pretty much said it too, that because of what's happened for him recently from getting paid and not playing up to that, you know, performing poorly in the playoffs. Now he's just looking for the next spot to where I, he can show that he can still stick it and produce in the league and then get paid again. So that's pretty much the next thing in line for him. Now compared to the other quarterbacks on this team, we have a couple that are just trying to stay in the league. We have we have one that's been thrown in multiple situ- situations like this, so this is just nothing new for him. So if he was to get moved again, that would be nothing new. But it definitely would be a win-win, and I, I'm honestly just curious and excited to see what happens next because I think I said yesterday, no dull moment. Who knows what will happen next <laughs> and during this journey, Cal? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what is the case against him? Is, is it just what Ashley said, like maybe the cost, would be, you'd have to give up too many draft picks or something? You just wouldn't be able to come up with the right – Package. I. I mean. I, again. Like I said. I. I'm having trouble poking holes in this one. Well, I think sometimes when you have uh, a personality or a culture that you've put into place, when you bring somebody in like that, that is from the outside and has been the leader of a football team and is sort of, in some respects, larger than life and a big personality and a big name, it can kind of upset the apple cart. And if you're trying to get everybody committed and rolling on the Jacoby train, and then you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, it might, you know, raise some eyebrows. It might, you know, it might just upset things a little bit. It might ruffle some feathers. It might, uh, I don't think Jacoby is one that would feel threatened by that. I think he would obviously be very welcome and welcoming and very positive about it. But, you know, there would be somebody in the house that might be able to take your job and that might even be looking better than you in practice. And so I, I think from that standpoint, uh, you know, you know, that could be a little bit of a drawback. But I don't think that's a deal breaker. I, I don't think it's a deal breaker. I think that these guys are used to competition. They're used to being pressed. They're used to being around stars. Uh, so I, I don't think that it would it would rattle Jacoby. Um, and, and we've heard other things about Jimmy that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, when, when he came in, to the you know to the 49ers at first you know there were some there was some talk that you know that he was you know unresponsive in the offseason to them or something I you know I don't know I don't know enough about uh that kind of stuff from an off the field intangible standpoint but I think from an on the field standpoint 
uh, that it just it makes a lot of sense to me to have that one-two punch. Yeah, I, I just you're trying to win. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Like you're trying to win, and you know Jacoby is a great guy, great teammate, but ultimately, like if there's somebody else out there that gives you a better chance, uh, you owe it to this team. You owe it to your fans. It, you got to at least kick the tires on it. Go ahead, Ivory. No, I was going to mention just to add on to that. I mean, we're talking about winning now. I mean, when you look at a lot, I'm sure a lot of people have probably I mentioned this critique uh, besides record as a starting quarterback, which is 14 23, while Jimmy G on the other hand is 33 and 14. It all just coincides with the point you just made now of wanting to win now, so you're going to go for the higher hand and set up the long term process because. Not, just like you said, none of the quarterbacks here are going to be a long-term quarterbacks, but you have to think about the long-term process within the regular season because this is by far, uh, when you go by tiers, this team on regarding talent on paper is top tier. So it's all about right now. I, I We're just getting to know Irie, but I learned something important about him today. He loves the word process, yeah. especially the phrase trust yeah. the process. <laughs> Absolutely loves it. If you know where I'm from, it's probably in, ingrained in, uh, within our, uh, our, <laughs> our, our DNA and everything. So it just comes out subconsciously at this point. All right, Ashley, uh, your turn. Make a case for something. So this is something that I have talked about quite a bit. Uh, and Mary Kay has talked about it too. So she, this is her honorary point as well <laughs> since she took the Jimmy G point. They need to sign a veteran receiver, I still think. And from what we've seen out there, considering this room has gone through all the injury woes it's gone through, some of these guys just aren't really like popping to me in a way that I think a veteran in this room could, and I think they maybe all have their roles. I, of course, still think Donovan Peoples-Jones has not hit his ceiling. I'm really excited to see what David Bell does and his versatility of being used in the slot and used outside on some deeper looks occasionally. But I just think overall, it even though this receiver room at times felt crowded, I think we got over that feeling, number one, with the injuries and seeing all of that transpire over the first couple weeks of camp. Uh, but number two, I just feel like they're missing that true veteran. And I know Will Fuller's a name that we brought up. I know one time I think we brought up Cole Beasley, like if you're not a fan of Will Fuller because of the injury issues or the PED issues, um, Cole Beasley's out there still as well available. Um, those are just two names, but I think there there are some options there that they should be looking at, especially to just give Jacoby Brissett more weapons out there if that's the guy you're sticking with at quarterback. Uh, and obviously Deshaun Watson too, once he comes back. But I just still have never gotten over feeling like this room as it's currently made up is missing something to go along with Amari Cooper. And I... It strikes me that like this team is legitimately going to miss Jakeem Grant, yeah, not as, just as a too. returner, but as a receiver, and that tells me a lot about sort of the state of this receiver room. Like mm-hmm. Jakeem Grant, obviously they were going to use him in that, but you didn't want him to be like you know your third best receiver, um, and I, I, there's a chance that maybe that's what he was going to be. Like a lot of it depends on the development of guys like Anthony Schwartz and, and some other players. Uh, we're going to talk about another guy a little bit later, but. You know, I felt like this room has been one guy short. And just some names, I pulled it up here on Spotrack. Will Fuller, who you mentioned, T.Y. Hilton, Cole yeah. Beasley, um, Deshaun Jackson. There's there's one guy that always gets signed, it seems, in like week four. Uh, <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is still out there if we really want to get crazy. But there are some guys out there um, that 
I think could come in and help this football team, Mary Kay. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and you know what? It might not be the guys on that list. Right. It might be a veteran that shakes out in the final cuts. Yeah, that too. You know? There's still some guys who are coming up that we're not even thinking about right now. Right. There could be some guys because not everyone does business the way the Cleveland Browns do. By the time the Cleveland Browns and this regime, by the time they get to their final cuts, there really are no surprises. You're not going to, like, all of a sudden that day, some big-name guy gets cut. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen like that here. But it does happen like that in some other cities. Sometimes a guy just lands out on the street uh, that you were not expecting to end up there. Or you get to that final cut-down weekend, and you have an opportunity to trade for someone. So maybe it's not a Cole Beasley, who I kind of like, but um, I, I, don't, I don't sense that there's any interest in him at all. Um, but, um, you know, maybe there's somebody on another roster now that you can get for something for, a, you know, for a late round pick, of course it would have to be, uh, or you wait for someone to get cut. But I do think it is important from the standpoint of, you know, Amari Cooper has stayed very healthy over the years. He's been very, very healthy and he doesn't miss football games because of injury. And they're very lucky about that. But once, you know, every time... You go into a season, you're another year older, obviously, and uh, and you just never know when you're going to hit that little rough patch and something starts to pop or something just doesn't feel right. Um, so you know you look out there and you you know you see a nice eclectic group, but they're young and they're not very experienced and they need some more experience. So yes, I would definitely be on the lookout for a guy who's been around for three or four years. Uh, has, you know, an 800-yard season in, in his background somewhere mm-hmm. and can get the job done. Yeah, I really feels like they're sort of, you know, like this is a very patient group. Andrew Barry is very patient. Kevin Stefanski is very patient. They're going to let guys develop. They're going to let guys take time. And I think Jordan Elliott's an example. Of, they're really high on him now. This is year three for him. His first two years were kind of, eh, okay. But, so, like, a guy like Anthony Schwartz, they're going to let develop and, like, grow. But at the same time, you're kind of betting a lot on Anthony Schwartz right now to, to maybe be your number three guy uh, behind Amari Cooper. Or Don, I shouldn't say number three guy. Your you're number three outside guy because yeah. David Bell would be your slot guy. Demetrik Felton's in there. But you're kind of leaning heavily on some really unproven guys. You are, but the one guy that I'll mention would be, I, I think of all those guys, as Mary Kay mentioned, are unproven and lack experience. And still have to improve, but the one guy that I think would really have a high ceiling out of that bunch would be number 82, Mike Carley Jr. I honestly do not know, and I mean, I honestly don't know how he went undrafted. I think the go-to answer, the easy answer, would be his size, and he's only 5'10". I think I'm kind of biased because he's closer in size <laughs> to me compared to all the, the other giants that we see out there in the field. But he is honestly just a legit offensive spark. And that game Sunday, I really saw a lot versus Philadelphia to where he really, they went from the regular running back and quarterback combo where, where Dobbs was, was passing to uh, to Kelly Jr. or to Ford. And when they got it going with their receivers, he was the one that started it, and he kept it going. It went from him and then to David Bell, but he was the momentum starter and really moved the chains within uh, the second series and further on. And he was also the only receiver, I believe, from that in that game that played in both halves. Now, and even though he was 3-for-7 within targets, he still did a lot more compared to other receivers, and that's why he was still getting playing time out there. So I think that would be somebody that can really, really learn from this bunch in the receiver core. 
And you know, another another point to make here about the uh, the receiving core, I think, is the fact that you know when you had Deshaun Watson and you thought he was going to play the majority of the season, about the last eleven games. You know, that's when you can get into the, hey, he can elevate all of the players around him. So you can take a David Bell and throw him out there, and you know that Deshaun is going to make him better. And you can throw Anthony Schwartz out there, and you can throw Donovan Peoples-Jones and everybody else out there, and that you know Deshaun is going to put the ball on the body where it needs to be, and he's going to get it there, and he's going to get it there on time, and he's going to put it only where he can get it. And and now um, they, they don't have that. So I think you actually have to have some guys that are going to go make that play, uh, you know, even when, you know, the play isn't necessarily there to make. Like, you've got to fight for that contested ball. You're going to have to do everything that you possibly can because your quarterback isn't necessarily going to be making you better. But I will also say very quickly is that um, there are a couple of young guys. You mentioned Mike Harley. There's also Michael Woods that we've kind of forgotten about, but he, you know, he's had a hamstring injury, but he will be coming back to the to the fold one of these days. And then um, Dalen Baldwin, yeah. uh, the Michigan receiver. I mean, he showed a lot in his first couple of weeks mm-hmm. on this football team. Now, I don't. He just he has a concussion right now, so I don't think that he's going to make the 53-man roster. But there's something to Dalen Baldwin. There is. There's something there. He's looked really good. I mean, I think the only reason he went undrafted is transferring schools as much as he did. I think yeah. he, I think he transferred twice. He at least transferred once from Jackson State to Michigan. Um, so I think that didn't help. And Michigan doesn't really feature their receivers very well. Like saw it firsthand with Donovan Peoples Jones. But I, I think too, like Rick said, Michael Woods was having a really good camp before that hamstring injury kind of flared up, and it was, it's the same injury they said that was bothering him in the spring, which is why we didn't see him out there. But th- there's definitely, you know, some options. But like I said, it's like that depth chart just feels crowded, like with these younger guys, but you're still missing something to me. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to make two more cases for guys. Uh, I will make one, and I'll make one. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I already sort of made your case, but you do believe Mike Harley, uh, Mike Harley Jr. should make this team. I would like him to, to, to make the team. I'm, I'm not gonna, <clears throat> I'm not gonna entirely, you know, put my foot down and say that he should be on the three man roster because of the other points that uh, you know, actually Mary Kay have made. But I would like to, to see him on there, just the abilities and everything within this game that that I've seen. Personally, I feel it would just be very beneficial to this team. He's not going to be your 6'5", 250 uh, weapon right in your face, but he's going to be more of a secret weapon in a sense, somebody that will go out there and just sneak and surprise uh, other opponents, especially when it comes to his ability to block. Another reason why he was out there playing in both halves, but it, it was somebody that I would really like to see out there doing work because he does give it his all every day. And Mary-Kate, we know that Chad O'Shea, if you're going to play for Chad O'Shea, you've got to block. That's that's a big part of it. You got to catch the football. Obviously, that's a big part of it. Um, but you know, Mike Harley's a guy that I kind of liked what I saw in the spring a little bit. And this team does need somebody to fill that Jakeem Grant role somehow. They they want their return game to be better than it's been, and it just feels like okay, are they gonna run Ernest out there, Demetric Felton, Donovan Peoples Jones? Are you gonna try to maybe breathe some new life into this? You know, with a guy like Mike Harley who. Maybe should have been drafted on day three. Yeah, I mean, he might end up being one of those diamonds in the rough. And when Jakeem went down, it opened the door for a guy like that to make the team. Mm -hmm. And if you can return the ball, then uh, you have a shot right now. 
and the fact that he is versatile in that way, and then also a couple of guys are coming back off of injuries and are not out there, uh, he's been getting a lot of work, and he's been making the most of his opportunities. I thought he made that really nice catch uh, in the uh, second quarter, I think, on a on a field goal drive, I believe it was, in the game, um, you know, when the lights were on, and, and that's when you have to make those kind of plays. So I think this game is another opportunity for him to prove uh, that he deserves to be on the team, while at the same time, I think they will continue to look uh, for guys, even guys that might just fill that returner role. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Ashley, I mean, Mary Kay said, this is kind of his chance. This is a guy you want to watch in a third preseason game. You know, hey, prove it. Here's your chance to go make yourself – you know, an example of this for the Browns is Isaiah Crowell. A few mm-hmm. years ago, he just lit up the fourth preseason game and made it impossible for them yeah. to get him through waivers. And so he had to make the roster. Well, yeah, this is your chance for a guy like a Mike Harley or other guys like that. I was going to say, sometimes recency bias wins out because of that, right? Like, you, you might not exactly have room for a guy or think you're not going to have room for a guy, but you don't want somebody else to right. pick him up. So it's it's kind of like college recruiting almost in that <laughs> way. Like, you have to start thinking about, oh, well, we don't want, like, you know, another AFC team to get him. So <laughs> we we got to figure out a way. Um, and I've been saying, you know, I, I agree with this definitely. Like, I think he is an interesting guy. I think when Jakeem got hurt, he was the name that kind of came up in discussions about, well, you know, they have this extra roster spot now. Like, a lot of teams don't have that slated returner roster spot. Like, the Browns had really carved out for Jakeem, even though, you know, I do think, especially with his connection to Chad O'Shea, we were going to see him in that passing game a lot more than maybe they were trying to let on. But I do think there is an opportunity there for him. And, and if he has a great game, like we said, in, in, against the Bears, then fantastic, you know, for him. It might seal the deal. Okay, we've all been too nice to each other. And I think you guys are, I think there's going to be some disagreement on this one. I don't know. And it's not like anything huge. But I'm going to make the case that Dearness Johnson should make this roster. And I, I feel like we came into this thinking, oh, yeah, of course he will. But then Jerome Ford has looked really good. I really like what I've seen from Jerome Ford. I, I think he's a really, I think he, he's, he, they might have found a diamond in the rough there in him. It is just preseason games. So that, that's obviously the caveat. But I think with a guy like Dearness, who a lot of people have kind of said, well, maybe you trade him, you know, on cut down day and get like a fifth round pick or a conditional six, something like that. I just think he's shown you he can come in and he can perform, and I think that's really valuable to just have a guy that can come in if somebody's hurt, and in this system, he can get you 120 yards in a game if, if you hand him the football. This is probably his last year here, just like it's probably Kareem Hunt's last year here, but I, I guess I would cut or trade Dearness Johnson. I would be very careful doing that. I think he's still a guy that is going to help you, especially as Kareem Hunt is getting older as Nick Chubb is, you know, maybe you're going to hand him the ball 300 times this year. I, I think Dearness Johnson has a role on this football team, even with that crowded running back room. Yeah, you know what, Dan, I, I am not going to disagree with you on this. <laughs> I think got he's, one. he's I got misrepresenting one. us. Dan has never understood <laughs> you and I on this. That's the problem. First of all, he's got the cutest daughter yes. that has ever walked the face of the earth, and we watched her run around on the field after uh, practice every day yeah. at the training camp. And so, you know, we all kind of fell in love with her. She's starling. Uh, so that is one uh, reason to keep him around. See. Um, but also, 
you know, yeah, he is a guy that can go out there, like you said, and get 120 yards for you. Now, this is an offense built to do that, and right. it's an offensive line built to do that behind, and therefore that's why Jerome Ford is going to look good and everybody yeah. else is going to look good. And that's why kind of running backs become a dime a dozen. But I think that they can keep Nick, Kareem, Ernest and Jerome Ford on the 53. I think they can get away with doing it. Yeah. I be, in, in part because... Dimitric, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, Dimitric is, you know, you can kind of count him over there mm-hmm. in the receiver room or over there in the special teams room, and you don't have to necessarily keep him around as just a running back. So yeah. I, I think you can make a strong case for Dearness, and the only reason I would let him go is if someone came a-calling and mm-hmm. was going to give you a draft pick for him. They're not going to give you a, a lot because he is in the final year of his contract, very low contract. I mean, there's it's right. like a there's no financial reason not to keep him whatsoever. But um, if someone offers you something, then you know you might do it for that reason. But other than that, look, they had injuries last year. He played a key role, so I, I wouldn't rule out keeping him by any stretch. I'm going to come at Dan, but not for the reason <laughs> he thinks because I feel like my. My dearness take has been, I do think he is valuable, a valuable trade asset, and the Browns might get the godfather offer that they can't refuse. But I like him on this team, so I need to defend what my take has been so far, because every day, Dan, when we would watch dearness, he's like, you can't, you can't be serious about this guy being traded. And I'm like, I don't want it. I just think, like, maybe he was too good last year for them to, like, you know, actually hold on to him if a good enough offer came around. I... I, I just don't know what that Godfather yeah. offer looks like, though. I mean, we were I talking know. about Kareem Hunt during yeah. training camp. How much can you get for Kareem Hunt? And I think we were stretching to get like a second rounder for him. Yeah. The artist, are you getting more? Like are you getting yeah. better than a fifth, even? Or no. would it yeah. be like a conditional no. sixth? Mm-hmm. Like, and, I don't know. And what you have to think about when you're talking about trading some of these players, like in the in the case of Kareem Hunt, mm-hmm. in order to actually benefit. Uh, from trading Kareem Hunt, you would have to get something better than a fourth because you're going to get a fourth round, potentially a fourth round compensatory pick. So you can have him for the whole season, let him sign with somebody else in the offseason, and you stand to possibly get a fourth round pick out of that. So you get the benefit of him, and then you get the pick after the season. So you have to think about that when you talk about trading some of these guys. Yeah, and as this roster gets more expensive, they're going to play a lot less in free agency. And so that's when you're going to start getting those comp. They're going to start playing that comp pick game like Baltimore does, and, and like all these other teams do, because they're just not. They're going to be losing more guys than they bring in, and that's when you. That's when you could get a pretty nice comp pick yeah. for a guy like Kareem Hunt. Irie, wait, you, really quick. Um, I just had a couple more things. I I did have okay. a couple oh, points I, okay. I had. On, I just had to jokingly go off on you, but um, <laughs> no. I mean, we basically Stump Mitchell sat up here a couple weeks ago and said, you know, when we were talking to him so much about Demetric Felton and Mary Kay started to go down this road, but you know, he mentioned that certain things. Of course, it's good for the Browns that Demetric is as diverse as possible, but that it hasn't necessarily been the most fair situation for his development to kind of bounce back and forth. But because of injuries and whatnot, like, and I think it, we'd be lying if we said some of this has to be they like Demetric Felton, and his versatility is what is going to get him a roster spot. And it's because they can say he can fill in at receiver, go in the slot if we need him to, and he doesn't have to be in this running back room because we can't justify keeping all five of these guys as running backs. But I do think, like we said, I mean, Dearness obviously went out there last year 
and proved that he can jump in for Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt. And Jerome Ford has been great this preseason, but I think considering both Nick and Kareem kind of struggled with injuries last year, you know, who knows what, what could happen during the season, especially at that position. So I definitely think that, you know, you're right, Dan, the Dearness should should be on this roster. Um, I've just always, when I've questioned it, been a, been a question of if, <laughs> if he will be on this roster, but not whether I think he should. I think he should. See, and this is where I read. It's really interesting to have him here because he has he doesn't have the baggage that we have when it comes to Dearness. Like he hasn't watched him and heard his story, and like so so he doesn't have that that attachment to Dearness. That I don't even think you were around to see his daughter running around on the field. So like you don't have any attachment to him. You know what? Uh, I, I'll I'll make it simple. In the words of Tony Brown, this is a bitch match. So. When it comes down to it, I think, as you said it earlier, we're going to recency bias. You already have Chubb at RB1. You have Hunter at RB2. That's the best two-punch back duel bringing Sarah to any defensive backs, trying to stop him in the league. And then after that, it's your RB3 and RB4. Now, you already have your top two. Recency bias may play a, a place in this where you have to run forward, but you put an RB3 leaving. Do you where? RB4, maybe going somewhere else. So, I... At this point, I wouldn't be surprised for anything. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And, and I do think, like, if they really come out of this really liking Jerome Ford, then they might just say, like, they, they've got to move on. Or if they do want to add a veteran receiver, right, maybe they're going to have to do something with the Ernest Johnson. So um, it's, it's going to be tough. But listen, Andrew Berry gets paid the big bucks to figure out ways to keep the Ernest Johnson on this roster. That's what I say. All right, uh, I think that'll do it. We all made our cases here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Rate and review us. And, of course, make sure you're a football insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. For Mary Kay, Ashley, and Irie, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks.